back to Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. I'm Andrew Ivins, joined as always by uh, David Lake. Short week, uh, so we're trying to get the podcast out a little bit faster than we would normally. Uh, should be posted here late Wednesday night. Uh, David, let's just start kind of with a curveball. I didn't even prepare you for this, but we're, I guess, five, six days removed from that disaster against Virginia Tech. Do you think we overreacted a little little bit too much, or uh, was it as bad as we thought it was? Uh, I, th- I thought we were fair, to be honest. So I don't know if, if you thought we came too strong, but I think it was a bad performance. Um, I'm of the mindset of, you know, you don't get too much credit for fighting your way back into the game and coming up just short. Uh, maybe that's unfair, Maybe that's too results-oriented way of thinking. But, I mean, I think it was bad, man. It wasn't good. Um, I think we'll, we'll obviously get into this later, but changes are being made, and I think changes were need needed. Uh, will it be enough? I guess we'll find out Friday night. Well, let's start with the the one big change, and we don't, I guess, I mean, is this, we don't really know if this is a change that's prompt because there needs to be a change or if it's because Jaron Williams is, is injured. And I think he is injured, but Nikosi Perry is going to start for the first time this season uh, on Friday against Virginia. It's funny because I think before the, in our, in our preseason podcast, I was said, are, are both quarterbacks going to play? And I think both of us said that we definitely expect both of them to play at some point this season. And Perry's right. the guy who came in and had a career day uh, against Virginia Tech really was the reason I thought Miami was able to get back in that game thrown for 422 yards and four touchdowns. What are your thoughts on this? Uh, and more importantly, do you think this helps Miami against Virginia or what? Yeah, so my big picture thoughts on this quarterback situation is, look, I think ultimately both guys are pretty close in talent levels. I view Jaron as a guy who probably has a higher floor and I think Nikosi is a guy who has a higher ceiling. Um, you know, I, I think if we look back, Andrew, uh, from from watching the guys play during spring football and watching what we saw during fall camp, the little that we did get to see, uh, I think both you and I thought our eyes told us Nikosi was probably slightly better than the others. Now, it was, especially in fall camp, it was Pretty, pretty dang close between uh, Jaron and Nikosi in particular, and, and even Tate improved from the spring. Um, so, you know, this isn't your typical backup quarterback situation, I don't think, uh, because I, I do think Nikosi has talent. Now, what does this mean for Virginia? Is it a good thing? In my opinion, I, I think it could be, um, because... Nikosi can unlock some big playability with with his attributes. He's a guy who looks downfield more than Jaron Williams does. He has a, a a bigger arm, more of a live arm, and he's willing to loosen up a defense with some of those deep throws, and and that unlocks some of Miami's uh, big time playmakers like Jeff Thomas at receiver. Uh, I think it also makes Brevin Jordan more of a downfield threat at tight end. Uh, now. Obviously, the counterpoint to that is Nikosi has shown last year to be unreliable at times with his decision-making. Has he cleaned that up? Uh, I think he has somewhat. 
Is it enough? I, I think we're going to find out real soon against Virginia because that's the one thing Nikosi needs to show is, is will he make better decisions than he showed at times last year? It's just the whole thing is kind of weird to me. I mean, Manny's comments after the Virginia Tech game saying that Nikosi's performance was uneven. Um, then he came out on, on Saturday and made it pretty clear that Jaron was still the team's quote-unquote guy. They wanted to go with Jaron. Yeah. It seems like for some reason, Manny just doesn't like Nikosi Perry. I mean, if you read between the lines, isn't it pretty clear that's the, the message we're getting? I think there's something maybe to that. I think also, uh, you know, look, we're also dealing with a first-time head coach, so I think there's that. He doesn't – this is his first time dealing with any quarterback-type controversy. And I think, in general, he did not want uh, any quarterback controversy. So he tried to slow play this as much as possible. And when it became apparent that Jaron wasn't going to be able to go this week because of that shoulder issue – you know, he, he went to Nicosi. But yeah, I mean, but look, I, 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 I want to cut in here. I do think it was it said a lot that he came out and announced it on Wednesday. I mean, they could have played this right up until kickoff, right? Yes, I do think it's clear at this point, like we're learning more and more about Manny Diaz and what he wants to be as a head coach, what he wants to operate, how he wants to operate a program. We are learning that it's pretty clear that Manny believes in empowering his quarterback by making that decision known, having the team rally around that guy, and, you know, treating him like a true starter. So, you know, he did it with Jaron going into the Florida game, announcing him, you know, fairly early before that game, and, and he's doing it the Wednesday before Virginia. You know, there's no suspense to it. Um, Nikosi's the guy this week. And I think with that, one of the reasons why Manny is doing that is he wants the expectations of hey, everyone knows you're the quarterback. You better prepare like the quarterback and act like the quarterback, the starting quarterback, uh, between now and, and game time. Does Dan Enos change up the uh, the game plan a little bit? I mean, it seems like, I know obviously Miami was in a 28-point hole right. um, against Virginia Tech, but they seem to open up things a little bit more. And I don't know, everyone wants them to go to, to shotgun. I think we, we see some of that, or, or no? Yeah. I mean, I... I don't really know what to expect with Dan Enos, honestly. Um, just given the the personnel decisions over the past couple of games, and we keep kind of <laughs> we keep kind of hammering this home. But what what type of game plan do you think we see? And is there like yeah. RPOs or or what? I'm curious too because I'm with you. I'm not sure yet. I would hope Dan Enos recognizes the personnel he has on offense. And at this point, I kind of feel like a broken record because I feel like I'm saying this every week, but. You know, this off this personnel he has isn't necessarily suited for a pro style type offense, uh, snap after snap after snap. I think they are at their best in spread type looks. Um, you know, I'm not against uh, going under center at times. I think that's fine to do. But I think this particularly because you have to look at this offensive line. It is a finesse offensive line. And so I think you need to put your quarterback in shotgun. And look, I think, too, with, a, with uh, looking at establishing a running game with this offense, I think the best way to go about doing that is got to throw the ball first, establish the pass, and then you run the ball off of those looks. 
And we saw that with success um, on DJ Dallas's long touchdown run. You know, that was yeah. kind of a read option look, uh, zone read yeah, look. I mean, he kind and, of just broke a tackle, but yeah, that's... I, I get what you're saying, though. I do. I do. I do get what you're saying. Yeah, it was it was loosened up, you know? I mean, it wasn't a stacked box. Early in the game, they had stacked boxes, and Miami was running the ball into those stacked boxes. So, uh, you know, and look, there's it's two schools of thought. Either you think you should run the ball to open up the pass game or vice versa. There's really no right or wrong way to go about it. I think, though, with this personnel that Miami has, they need to get the passing game going. They need to somewhat embrace the backyard style that Nikosi brings uh, to the offense. Uh, hope and pray he makes good decisions. And, you know, try and run the ball out of those looks when the defense is forced to defend the pass and has lighter personnel and lighter boxes uh, for Miami to face in terms of the run game. All right, let's say Nikosi comes out Friday night, um, throws for close to 300 yards, two touchdowns. Miami finds a way to win. What happens against Georgia Tech if Jaron Williams is healthy? Let's assume the shoulder or the quote-unquote upper extremity is taken care of. What do you do now? Yeah, I mean, are we, are we assuming Nikosi plays well? That's what I'm saying. So, like, yeah, like 300 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, yeah. We'll say, like, a fumble or an interception or something, but it's serviceable enough for them to win, and it is one of the reasons why they win. Yeah, I think Nikosi then continues to start. And, look, this is, this is one of the harder decisions that a head coach has to deal with, where, you know, your, start, your original starting quarterback uh, gets benched not because of necessarily – Poor play. Yes, he did play poorly against Virginia Tech, but it seemed like Manny was going to start him this week if he was healthy to go. Um, so Nikosi's getting his shot, and if he just outplay, if he plays better than what we've seen out of Jaron, I think Manny needs to got to ride the yeah ride, ride the hot it. hand. And you know, that's a tough thing to do. Obviously, Jaron's not going to like that, um, but at the same time. What has Jaron done, really? Like, I think to some extent, uh, it is, it's somewhat fair, I think, to look at quarterbacks on the college level and look at their win-loss records, right? And Jaron has not beat a Power 5 team yet. Uh, so if Nikosi goes out and, and does it this week, beats a Power 5 team, beats a ranked Power 5 team, I don't know how you can go away from him. And I thought DJ Dallas's comments on Tuesday or Wednesday, I mean, he said, yeah. it, I think if some of the longs, hey, he's done it before. You solved the Florida State game last year. I thought that was, um, you know, I, I kind of agree with him. I mean, he's what, four and two as a starter. I know he, he played bad last year against Virginia, but kind of the same thing got yanked a little early, maybe in that game after the two interceptions. Uh, I think he was on a pretty short leash with Mark Rick. So, I do kind of agree. I think uh, when you when he's in the uh, on on the field, it seems like he's way more of a gamer than Jaron Williams, who's who's just more of a, a game manager. How much do you think Nikosi has improved since last year? Well, it's hard. I mean, we only saw him um, against Bethune Cookman, and then I mean, I don't really think Virginia Tech uh, that secondary is that good. So no. Um, but it seems like he's more accurate. It seems like he's making 
has more pocket presence, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I mean, I was gonna say that. I agree like, with that. You know, he he gets out of things. He keeps his eyes upfield. I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of with you. If he, I honestly thought that if they started Jaron, it, it was a bad thing for Miami. Like that that was gonna hurt the offense. But now that they're 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 playing Nicosi this week this week, I think that that helps, right? I mean, just because I think he's gonna be able yeah. to make some throws and I don't have much confidence in them being able to run the ball this week. No, I agree. I mean, look, Virginia's defense is for real. They are, I don't think they're quite as good as, as Florida's defense, but they are very close. Like, and we'll get into this later, but their defense is for real. And, you know, with Nikosi, this game is going to come down to how does he manage the game? Cause I agree. Like, I do think his pocket presence is better than it was last year. Like last year, he would just take sacks without, you know, trying to get flushed from the pocket and by time. I think we saw against Virginia Tech, he he has that clock in his head now where, you know, after his second or third read, he starts looking for a way to buy more time and break from the pocket and either run or throw the ball downfield or throw the ball out of bounds. So I think that's a big step, honestly, for Nikosi's development. Um, now, we still did see some pretty poor decisions like two or three poor decisions against Virginia Tech uh, that he will need to clean up against Virginia um, but overall I, I I do think he he has improved he is a better player than he was last year let's talk about the next uh, big change for Miami Manny Diaz comes out on Monday morning um, says he's changing his role with the defense doesn't really expand on that uh, on the radio. Goes to his press conference. Doesn't really expand on that much. Um, it sounds like he's trying to be more of a vocal motivator for that defense. I, I mean, he's making yeah. it seem like nothing's changing. He's not calling plays. Um, do you believe that? I, guess, <laughs> I don't. I mean, what do you think? I don't believe it at all. I, I think that I think well, he has hit the panic button a little bit. Um I don't think he he felt how the defense played against Virginia Tech was acceptable. I think there were, there were times last year in similar situations to what we saw in that first quarter against Virginia Tech where Miami's defense was put in very bad positions. And time after time, Miami forced field goals. That did not happen against Virginia Tech. Uh, there was breakdowns. Um, I don't think he's really blaming this on Blake Baker. I know the fan base wants right. to blame it on Blake Baker. I think he's pointing this at his senior leaders, I said this, on, I think, on the radio Monday or Tuesday. It seems like his comments were directed directly at Mike Pinckney and Jack Quarterman. Uh, I would say Scott Patchen as well. I mean, he had that bad offsides right. against uh, against the Hokies. So I don't know. I mean, what do you think? What What is your take on this? No, I think that's fair. I think if you want to read between the lines and come to that conclusion, I think that's certainly fair. I think, too, he's also implying that maybe these senior guys or older guys are trying to do too much. They're not necessarily playing within the framework of the defense. And so that is also causing busts. And so, yeah, I think during this week of practice, Manny is being more dialed into that, being more of a disciplinarian that way. I think, you know, when you're the head coach, you just kind of oversee things. And and really your role is to be the good cop, Right. Uh, and you let your coordinators kind of be the bad cop. I think now this week he he's kind of being more intense, being more the bad cop type type guy to 
ensure the accountability is there. I am in in terms of calling plays, he's not 100% ruling it out. Um he kind of keeps saying that it hasn't been decided yet. Well, ho- here's a hot take. I think there's been times at the season when he has called plays. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mean, disagree with that. And I, I think, think he has called the defense sometimes. Yes. And, and I think we will see more of that on Saturday, to be honest. I expect to see him wearing his, you know, like, I don't know. This is a dumb question. But is he wearing, like, when he was a defensive coordinator, he was wearing the wristbands with the plays on it. Is he wearing those now as head coach? I don't think he is. No, but, um, I mean, when but you, I, if you watch the sideline, like, there has been times, I, I can't recall them off the top of my head, where he is like, gone to that defensive staff and like there has been right words exchanged and i, I just feel like we're going to see a lot more of that i'm just curious are we going to see the wristbands on this week you know and i think obviously if, if he is wearing them then he's going to be calling a lot more plays on defense and look i think that's a good thing to be honest uh, uh well, it, yes i mean uh, like Nick Saban is very involved in his defense. Like most, right. I know Manny wants to take the CEO approach, but most coaches at the end of the day, like not call their own plays, but they're very involved in it. So I think Manny has tried the CEO role and he's like, I don't know if this is going to work. He also probably doesn't know he doesn't have much time. I mean, he doesn't have time to right. ride and die with these coordinators. So I, I think, I don't know, maybe he's getting ahead of the curve a little bit. No, I think he needs to look this Virginia tech game wasn't good enough like touchdowns on six all, all six trips into the red zone allowing six touchdowns that's terrible um you know you gotta allow some field goals on some of those and if they did obviously they would have won the game uh assuming miami scores as many points as they do so yeah i mean i think it's a good thing for manny to get more involved with the defense and you know try and right the ship so to speak Let's start talking about Virginia uh, Cavaliers four and one on the season. Uh, the one loss came two weeks ago to Notre Dame. Um, they kept that game pretty close uh, and then eventually lost by, I think it was 15 points, 35 to 20. Um, they're led by Bryce Perkins, a, a dual threat quarterback, a former stud at the junior college level. He's a two year starter uh, and really the, the, the driving force of the squad that is picked by, the media in the preseason to win the coastal division. So uh, your initial scouting report on Bryce Perkins. Yeah, I think he, he's the best quarterback that Miami has seen up to this point, obviously. I mean, I guess that's probably not saying too much, right? Um, well, you like him over Felipe Franks. I mean, <laughs> and then the central Michigan quarterback who got popped for using PED. So, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, he's, he's a good player though. And look, Miami did a good job last year against Bryce uh, Bryce Perkins, but I think he is an, an improved player since last year. Uh, he's improved as a passer. And, you know, as a runner, he's a guy who just kind of glides out there. Like, he's not overly explosive. Um, he runs with good balance, and, and he's kind of a, a slippery runner that kind of sheds tackles that should bring him down. Um so, yeah, I think he's a guy that definitely, like, he is their offense. He puts their team on the back, on his back, and leads them down the field. Um, so Miami better have some answers for him. And, 
And, you know, Virginia uses their running quarterback different than the way Virginia Tech uses theirs. But obviously, coming off this game in which Miami let Hendon Hooker have, you know, a very productive day running the ball, and then, you know, he was good in situations throwing the ball, uh, Bryce Perkins is in a whole nother world compared to Hendon Hooker. So Miami better be ready for it. Um, Normally we do the player where Miami should be most concerned about. Mine is Perkins, so I'm just going to kind of just roll right into this. You you mentioned Hendon Hooker. Uh, I think you were the one who wrote that that story about all the first down runs he got, right? I mean, in uh, certain situations on on third downs and stuff. I mean, he finished the day with 76 yards and a touchdown. Miami looked like they didn't weren't prepared for him, and I know Manny Diaz will be like, well, you know, we made some adjustments. Uh, there were four, four straight three and outs there in the, to start the second half. I mean, sure, yeah, but it's it's kind of a bit question, puzzling how they didn't know that he was going to run the ball, especially when, I don't know, Trayvon Hill, who uh, probably saw Hinden and Hooker all last year on the scout team at Virginia Tech, is is on your roster, but um, that's, that's another podcast. But the kryptonite for Miami's defense the past couple of, uh, of, of two years and, and Manny Diaz's scheme has has been these dual threat quarterbacks. Go back to the Boston College game last year. Anthony Brown, thir- uh, forty three yard touchdown round. Perkins last year against the Hurricanes, twenty one rushes for sixty one yards. Uh, the years before that, Virginia Tech's Josh Jackson, Clemson's Kelly Bryant, both had a rushing touchdown. So um, it seems like he's the guy they're going to have to stop for obvious reasons. Yeah, I know. Like Pro Football Focus has him as a guy who. Uh, averages 6.7 yards per carry on quarterback scrambles. So those aren't even like designed quarterback runs. That's when he's looking to pass, he breaks the pocket, and he picks up about seven yards. So that's kind of a scary number, to be honest. Yeah, because um, most of the time you're in like a third and eight, <laughs> you know, third and seven. Right, right. So, you know, you're right. He's a guy that, um, and, and look, I went and watched last year's game, Virginia-Miami, and Miami did a nice job of containing him. Now, with that being said, this year's defense is nowhere near last year's defense. So, And like I said, too, I think Bryce is a better player this year than he was last year. So it's going to be interesting to see how, how these, you know, how Bryce Perkins' improvement and Miami's defensive, whatever it is right now, intersect and, and what happens Friday night. I, I do think Miami in drop back situations, I, I don't think Virginia's offensive line is that great. So Miami should be able to to create some pressure. The only thing is, is once he takes off, it's it's a little bit scary. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Virgin, Virginia's offensive line is really bad. We can get into that later. But yes, they are nearly as bad as Miami's, which is saying something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the player you think Miami's supposed to be concerned about on, on Friday. Yeah, so I'm going to go with uh, Bryce Perkins' top weapon. I'm going to go with Joe Reed, the wide receiver, who they line up all over the place. They line him up on the outside at receiver. They line him up in the slot. They even line him up in the backfield at running back sometimes, uh, use him as a pass-catching threat there, or even hand him the ball at times. He's also a tremendous kick returner. He's had a kick return for a touchdown uh, in 2019 already. He had one last year, and he had one in 2017. So, you know, Bubba Baxson needs to send those those balls through the end zone. Don't don't give Reed any chances to generate a big play there. And, yeah, I mean, he is Bryce Perkins' safety blanket. So 
on third down, and if it's a third down passing situation, Miami just needs to go cover Joe Reed because he is the guy that Bryce Perkins will stare down and deliver the football to. And, you know, Joe Reed is a good player. He's, he, he's probably an NFL guy, runs good routes, he's, he's explosive, and he will go up and win 50-50 balls in the air. So um, I think if, if Miami can limit his, his uh, impact on the game, then you got to feel good about uh, Miami's defense holding Virginia's offense to a low po- point total for the game. So do you want Trajan Bandy or DJ Ivy on this guy? Man. <laughs> um, I guess I'll go Ivy. I, I haven't been super impressed by what Trajan has done this year, and I don't know why he's not playing as well as we've seen him the last two years, but he's just not playing well right now. So I, I guess I would put DJ Ivy on him. Yeah, well, I mean... I think one of the reasons he's not playing as well is because uh, Mike Jack, uh, Sheldrick Redwine, and Jaquan Johnson are, are, are no longer with the team. I think that's really one of the reasons why that secondary has is nowhere where it's it, it it has been in the past. Yeah, it's different being the number one guy than being you know the number three number. or four guy in a secondary. So, um, so we talked about uh, or hinted at Virginia's uh, offensive line. The key matchup for the game I have is actually uh, Virginia's defensive line versus Miami's offensive line. I was, I was doing some some stat research, uh, and, and the numbers are not looking good for Miami. Um, the Ca- <laughs> <laughs> Cavaliers right now, according to uh, footballoutsiders.com, have the sixth best sack rate in college football uh, at 12.4% of snaps. The team right ahead of them is Florida, who is averaging a sack every 12.6%. Uh, and uh, UVA has 24 sacks this season. Keep in mind, Miami's given up 25. Um, Cavaliers also have the 14th best stuff rate uh, in college football, giving up just 2.76 yards per carry. Um, oh, I'm sorry. They're also giving up 2.76 yards per carry. So that defensive line, I think, uh, is about as good as Miami's going to have seen thus far um, besides Florida. And I think by season's end, it'll probably still be the, the second best defensive line they've seen. So, I don't understand how Miami's offensive line is going to get better. They seem to be committed yeah. to the same five. Manny Diaz said in his press conference, I mean, he actually praised them, which I thought was so weird, just talking about how they fought. Um, and if I guess I think his line, well, well, if you throw for 500 yards and have 35 <laughs> points, he must be doing something right, which is true. But, I mean, Zion Nelson has given up six sacks. That's that's uh more than anyone else in college football besides one other guy who's at like Arkansas state. I mean, I just, I don't, I mean, how, how are we supposed to expect Miami's offensive line all of a sudden to just block Virginia's front seven? No, I think you're right. And it is the front seven because I mean, their, their defensive line is good, but they are a three, four defensive line. So their three linemen are, are kind of holding blocks. And then where Virginia kills you with their pass rush is their linebackers. So, you know, Charles Snowden, who is, what, 6'7", 240. He's kind of like their version of Greg Rousseau. He's more of an outside linebacker. Uh, you know, so he's a little more athletic in space than Rousseau is, but he is a freak off the edge. And then their leading sack guy is a uh, inside linebacker, um, Jordan Mack. So they will send him up the middle 
on blitzes. And so what does this mean? This means Miami's offensive line better be able to identify these blitzes pre-snap or communicate pre-snap what they want to do, how they want to contend with these different looks and pressures because Virginia does a lot of things that will confuse an offensive line. And obviously Miami has two freshmen starting, so they're a young, uh, inexperienced group, and which could lead to a lot of confusion. And I think you're exactly right. That's that's going to be a problem for Miami in this game. And probably once again, the reason why they lose is is because the offensive line, if they do lose, the offensive line plays very poorly. Well, it just seems like they've done nothing to, uh, I mean, try to bolster the unit. I guess we saw the the, the Michael Parrott walk-on fullback package last week, but it's just like I don't understand how you can just sit here and be like, well, I, you know what, this is the week that they're going to stand up and block these guys because right now I think the jury's still out on, on Butch Berry and that offensive line. I mean, the decision to start Zion Nelson at, at left tackle is still puzzling. I talked to someone who was on staff last year, and they're like, when we were recruiting this kid, we thought he wouldn't play for three years, and now Miami's going to start him for the sixth game in a row at left tackle. I mean, it's just, I don't know. I, yeah. It's, no, I mean, it's going to be a problem this week. Like, you know, look, Virginia pressures with their whole front seven, and then they play kind of umbrella coverage in their secondary. Uh, so it's tough to burn them when they do bring that pressure, right? So, and a lot of times that pressure gets home. Like, as you alluded to, Virginia right now as a team is second in the country in sacks. So, um, <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> So, yes, if you are a Miami fan, which if you're listening to this podcast, you are, that should be very concerning to you in this game. All right. Your key matchup for the game, aside from, I have a feeling you're going to flip it, flip it the other way. Miami's <laughs> D-line versus UVA, UVA's O-line. Am I right? Yeah. How'd you know? Because I knew you were going to go the other way. But, yeah, so uh, Virginia's offensive line isn't very good either, right? Um they against Notre Dame, who again is Notre Dame, so they have a good defensive front. Against Notre Dame, Virginia's offensive line allowed 27 pressures, uh, which, if you put that in context, that is more pressures in a single game than Miami has allowed in a single game this year. Against Florida, they allowed 25 pressures. So obviously, Virginia's offensive line had a really poor showing against Notre Dame, and if you watch that game. You know, things definitely went went haywire with Virginia's offensive line in the second half in particular. Um, well, go ahead. Point out, Notre Dame's probably got multiple NFL guys on, yeah. the, on that defensive line. So No, that's very fair. That's very fair. Notre Dame is a good team. Um, but yeah, Virginia's weaknesses on the offensive line is at their tackle spots. Um, you know, their left tackle is allowing 21 quarterback pressures on the season, which is the second most in the ACC, and then their right tackle has allowed four sacks, which is second most in the ACC, only trailing Zion Nelson. So, yeah, I mean, look, has Miami's defensive line been as dominant maybe as we, or been as good as we expected going into this season? No, Um, but this game might be a chance for them to um, beat or take advantage of a unit that hasn't been playing well this year. Um, I think against Florida, we saw 
Miami's defensive line did a good job of, of getting pressure on Felipe Franks, but they didn't necessarily finish that pressure into sacks. Um, right. That will be a challenge this week that's similar with Bryce Perkins because he is a another strong runner, dual-threat quarterback that can break tackles and break pressure. So it's going to be interesting to see can Miami's defensive line, number one, get plenty of pressure, number two, finish those pressures into sacks uh, better than they did against Florida in week zero. Let me ask you this. Where does it start on Miami's defensive line? Who's got to have a big game? Like, is Greg Russo playing 11 snaps this week? (laughs) I want to see Greg Russo play at least 35 snaps. Um, And yeah, look, when Greg Russo, like, you know, again, it's like broken record time. But when Greg Rousseau is in the game, he creates havoc. Like, he wrecks plays. Um, so, yeah, I think if he plays plenty of times, he's going to really bother Bryce Perkins. And, you know, look, we talked Bryce Perkins up. He is a good player. But he does have some moments when he makes some very questionable decisions. Uh, I think he's thrown... I don't know his exact pick number. I think it's around I mean, six. six. Yeah, eight touchdowns, six picks. So, you know, I remember, he, I remember writing that. he will throw some balls into harm's way um, when he feels pressure. And Greg Rousseau's a guy. I think John Garvin, look, I know, like, offensive lines are treating him as the guy. So things are, are kind of being shifted over in his direction in terms of protections. But he needs to find a way uh, to, to make more of an impact. And so those are the two guys I want to see Greg Rousseau and John Garvin kind of have their best games of the season this year. Well, I do think Trayvon Hills come on as late. So like, yes, he was kick Scott patching out, (laughs) start Trayvon Hill and then bring Greg in. That's what you do. I also want to see a little bit more of Nesta. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I thought he gave good minutes against uh, uh, Virginia Tech. In hindsight, I don't think we mentioned that in the instant reaction pod, but I I actually thought he played well. Yeah, I think Nesta, you know, I like what Nesta brings. He brings energy. um, Which is apparently what they need on defense. I mean, (laughs) correct. They do need that. And he is an athletic defensive tackle. Like if he gets into your backfield, he has the ability to change directions and run down quarterbacks, which not many defensive tackles have that ability. So he is a different type of defensive tackle than they have. Um, and they do need to get him going. Okay. Okay. Uh, Miami wins the game. If blank happens on Friday for me, I don't know. I mean, I just, I just told you why <laughs> Miami has much of a chance, but I do think there is some a scenario where Miami can win this. Um, I think if the hurricanes are able to score early and the defense maybe forces some turnovers, that's kind of how they, they do it. They get the crowd behind them. Um, one thing I want to point out, Canes are averaging 3.2 points in the first quarter this season if you take away that Bethune-Cookman game, while opposing teams are averaging 11.2 points in the first quarter. Um, that ranks 120th in the country, that, that 11.2 points give, that they're giving up. So they've not been good. I mean, they've put themselves in holes, obviously, uh, if you watch the Virginia Tech game, but um, that's the complete opposite of what we've seen in seasons past. So... I think if Miami is able to, you know, come out and look prepared and uh, not flat, you know, maybe warm up with pads on instead of just T-shirts, like that would be a, a step in the right direction. Um, so that that's kind of my key to the game. Obviously, turnovers, you know, once the, those get going in your way, 
They, you know, they didn't force any against Virginia Tech. Uh, if you're a believer in, in, in turnovers or a statistical thing, which I am, that means they're probably bound to get some on uh, uh, this week. I mean, that's just kind of yeah. that's how it goes. So um, that's, I think, the, the big keys for me. What about you? Yeah, so mine's similar in some ways. I think so if I'm going to be super specific, what I'm going to be watching for is what decisions does Nikosi make when he has to improvise? Um so when he feels pressure and has to break the pocket, is he going to force a bad throw and potentially, which turns into a potentially disastrous turnover? Or does he, you know, pick up three yards running? Does he throw the ball out of bounds? Or does he even buy enough time to generate a big play downfield? Uh, to me, that's kind of what it comes down to with Nikosi this week um, in terms of that growth, because Last year, he made a lot of bad decisions when he decided to improvise or when he felt pressures. Um, and so, yeah, within that, I guess it, it kind of boils down to what you were saying about winning the turnover battle. Uh, Miami got whipped in the turnover battle last week against Virginia Tech. Uh, that can't happen against Virginia. Virginia's a better team than Virginia Tech. And so if Miami gets whipped in the turnover battle, to the same extent, it's not going to be a seven point game. It's going to be an ugly loss. So, uh, you know, it's well documented now how well the Hurricanes do when they force turnovers at home. Uh, so, if they can do that, I think that is their path to winning as well. What type of crowd are you expecting on Friday night? I've been, yeah, I've been thinking about this for a while. What do what you what are you expecting? Not a good one. I think I think they'll announce like 42, but it'll actually be like 35-ish. Yeah, well, that kind of leads us in the next thing. I think Friday um, night's tough, man. Like Friday Thursday night was Thursday was better, I think. Yeah, right? like Friday night in general, like even for a college town, I think it would be tough. So Friday night in Miami, not ideal. Lots of things to do on a Friday night. Also... Graphic. Friday night, like in my opinion, Friday night should be for high school football. Maybe that's like an old man opinion. I don't know. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I think Friday night should be for high school football. So I think a lot of football fans will be at high school football games, to be quite honest. Um, So, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know. I'm not expecting. And plus, they haven't looked good. So I'm not expecting an an impressive crowd. Well, let's roll this into our, our how we wrap it up with predictions um first off this is insane because everyone loves miami i mean las vegas as of about it uh i guess that'd be wednesday afternoon miami is a a two-point favorite over virginia which is mind-blowing to me uh espn's ssp plus rankings it's an analytical measure they think miami wins 27 20 espn's fpi gives the hurricanes a 59.4 percent chance of winning i mean i don't understand this at all um yeah why do you think miami's a favorite um because it's it's at hard rock stadium that's really the only answer i can come up with to be honest so this is this is my theory behind it because like i think what is happening is a lot of people are giving like the prime time island type game um where everyone's watching at hard rock stadium like 
a lot of credit. I mean, let's go back to last year. Miami played on the Thursday night against North Carolina. Yeah. I think the, the spread was like 18 points. They smashed it. Once 47-10, defense produced all those turnovers. Season before, the Notre Dame game. I mean, the Hurricanes were dogs. It was an electric atmosphere, and they win 41-8. Everyone will remember that game. And then the week before that, Virginia Tech was also a, a night game, um, and they ended up winning like, the, like 28 to 10 or something like that, or, or I can't remember exactly what it was. So that's that's kind of my working theory on why they're favorites. But like I think if you go under the hood, it's like, what are you guys? I, I don't know. So what's your prediction? Give it to me. <laughs> I got Virginia 30, Miami 18. Um, weird numbers all around there. But uh, when you don't have a kicker, and your coach is going for two at random times. Like I, I don't know how they get to 18, but it's just hard to see Miami winning this game, man. I, like they struggle against dual threat quarterbacks. Um, UVA's defensive line is very good, and we're, we're not even talking about Virginia's coming off a bye. They're coming off a bye week. Miami's right. on a short week. Miami, Miami can't look prepared after a bye. Now we're supposed to expect them to be ready a, a day short under preparation. Like I just. I don't know, man. I cannot see Miami winning this game. Yeah, I agree. I got Virginia 35, Miami 28 for the exact same reasons you said. I think Virginia's pass rush is going to be a lot for Miami to handle. Um, I think I keep meaning to look this up, but I think last year Virginia came off a bye when they beat Miami up in Charlottesville. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like... Bronco Mendenhall is going to have some wrinkles for this team. And Virginia's... I mean, you give him the, you give him the coach, head coaching nod, like right there, yeah, right? Of course, you know, he's been doing it. So, you know, he's, he's going to, Virginia's very well coached team and they're going to have wrinkles. And, you know, I just, I think they, they are also playing for the coastal division. Like they have a lot to play for. They are the only coastal division team that has not, made it to the ACC championship game yet. So uh, Miami's going to get their best shot this Friday, I think. Absolutely, man. And I mean, I do think it'll probably be close. I don't know if Virginia is just going to yeah. come out there and, and pound Miami. But I, at the same time, I could very well see that happening. I could see Miami um, laying down. Uh, I, was, I mean, I'm sure we, we've seen Manny preach about how this team's fought back, but I think eventually at some point when these losses start piling up, there's going to be a time happen. when those play- players aren't, you know, are going to shut down. It could happen. Um, you know, we'll see. Um, but yeah, for me, this this comes down to who do you trust more? I trust Virginia at this point more than I trust this Miami team. Um, so yeah, I think it's fair to expect Virginia to win the game. Well, don't want to end it on too bad of a negative like we did last podcast, but I mean, if Miami did come out and beat Virginia, number number twenty ranked Virginia, yeah, this would be a signature type win for for the Manny Diaz era, right? I mean, this would, it would silence a lot of people. It would be good. I mean, anytime you can beat a ranked team, that's of course a good thing. Um, you know, and look, they just need that win. They need to get some momentum going. Um, you know, the next week they would host a bad Georgia Tech team. So presumably that would be an easy win. And then when you start piling up wins, you never know what can happen if if things start rolling downhill. So certainly a win would be huge, not only for Manny with getting this thing off the ground in terms of the program, 
um, it would be huge for the whole confidence of the team, quite frankly. Well, Miami would also avoid their first two and four start since uh, 1997. Correct. And I don't think they've ever started 0-3 in conference. So be good to avoid that too. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens, guys, on uh, Friday night. As always, stay locked to the site, miami.247sports.com. You can also punch in inside the U. Com. We'll have full coverage from Hard Rock Stadium, Pro Football Focus Grades. Uh, David has been producing, I think, some what I would call fire after the uh, Virginia Tech game. He did 10 questions that this program has at this stage in the Manny Diaz era. I thought that was one of the best pieces I've read on any uh, Miami Hurricanes outlet uh, over the past week. I mean, obviously, I'm biased, but uh, it's been <laughs> some good stuff. But So please stay locked to the website, and uh, hopefully Friday night's postgame podcast is uh is a good one yeah thanks for listening guys take care